So in 2014, I started up a social experiment. At first, it was just with uh, the people that I went to church with, and then it kind of expanded more and more into uh, pretty much a lifestyle now. Um, In 2014, I was really fed up that um, when I was younger, like teens into very, very early adulthood, um, pretty much, you know, late teen adulthood, uh, I, I was pretty nice, um, I was agreeable, I was, you know, dealing with a lot of stuff that, you know, teenagers deal with, and also, you know, some stuff that, uh, unfortunately is, some extra stuff that I have to deal with too, but um, for for the most part, it was it was tough for me to make friends just because I was socially awkward and other things. But um, for the most part, I I had friends, I had good friends, um, and then then you know as we all experience in early adulthood, friends move on, and I. I was kind of, kind of resenting that. I I became pretty bitter that, um, I didn't have friends and it was, you know, just normal life circumstances. Friends move away, they go to school, they get married, all sorts of stuff. But, um, I took that pretty hard. Um, and then, then I just became all around bitter and angry. And my, my first reaction a couple years into this was, you know, pray the anger away. I, I worked really, really hard to, um, go from bitter and angry because I didn't have friends and nobody, uh, really cared about me to, uh, eventually after about a year and a half or two years of really changing my mindset, trying to figure out how to get people to like me. Um, I was, like nice again, and it was really weird because people seem to like me and want to be my friend. It's just I could no longer talk about the things that mattered to me, um, or else people didn't want to anymore. And then something really interesting happened. I started making friends again, but I still felt like I didn't have friends because. Even though before nobody cared about me because I was bitter and angry, now people, they like me and want to be my friend, but I still felt like nobody cared about me. And this is an interesting social phenomenon um, because this all started happening, you know, past like 2010 when Facebook started taking off, social media started taking off, and this whole political correct movement started taking off. And it became almost superficial to be nice to people. And then the internet started taking off more and more in a social fashion. Um, the, the most astounding part that I could find of social media was everybody wanted to be liked. They wanted to be loved. They wanted all of these great things that you get from friendship, but on a superficial level. Uh, people could have thousands of friends, but no one to confide in. And I, 
started getting bitter again. And what was interesting is I, I kept it inside this time. It didn't really affect the friends I had. But what I realized is I was angry because I wasn't me anymore. Um, I was a nice, agreeable, pleasant version of me that always cared what other people thought. And then one day when I was fed up of being a bottled up version of myself, I decided to do a social experiment. I had moved uh, about 40, 50 miles north, but I still um, went back south to where where I had been most of my life uh, about once a week. Um, And I would meet up with people that I knew and settings where there were a lot of other people and, um, you know, church type events. And I, I did this interesting experiment where, um, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to treat people exactly how they treat me. And um, this is something I kind of beta tested online and it went horrifically. So this is something that um, it took a a lot of practice for me to um, really learn not just how to um, react in a way that I think they're treating me, but really decipher how people are thinking in a situation and not just mirror it, but mirror it how they picture their their reaction. So you got to see it from their point of view and not your point of view. And you treat them how they're treating you so that they can understand that you're treating them how they're treating you. And what's really, really interesting is they will call you out on behaving the exact same way that they are behaving. Um, But they won't even know that you're mirroring them because if you mirror them too identically, it just almost looks like mockery. Um, When really, um, that, that doesn't work in a social situation at all. But if you treat them exactly how they're treating you, um, but without that identical mere mockery thing, you really go into why are they doing this? How do they think they're presenting themselves? And what's interesting is um, a lot of people will see that you are just doing exactly what they're doing. That other person will not see it unless they're confronted on it. And then... Um, it, it won't be a blow-up situation. Um, when this happens online, I found that no matter what, um, people will only see the conversation at face value. But <laughs> what was really interesting is when I started doing this in person. And like I said, is people would recognize what I was doing was acting exactly like them. Um, and I made a lot of enemies this way, a lot of enemies. So the biggest thing was I had to learn not to care whether or not people liked me. 
at first it was like about a year of this and I really had to accept that there were some people who genuinely hated me because of this and there were several times when I would question whether or not this was um, going to be super detrimental for me in the long run and there were some months when I would just completely try and reverse everything but for the most of it I, I stuck with it uh, pretty fever uh, like just really really stuck with it um in the whole picture of things for about a year um in that isolated environment and what's really interesting is I made a ton of enemies um isolated a lot of people that I thought were my friends a lot of people that were my friends um a lot of their close friends really hated me and that affected our friendships um and for the for the most part it was more of a discovery that i i had to overcome that some people were hating me because of this um so that first part that first live test was kind of a failure even when i go back to that area um go back to those groups i'm i'm still kind of seen as like a jerk um, and that's a, a reputation that I haven't been able to overcome in the, it's, it's survived, even though I haven't been active in that community in almost two years. I go, I can go back there for like an hour, um, when people are around in that setting and my reputation is brought up w within an hour. Um, so that's kind of like a, a nuclear uh, radiation type event where it was a big mess up, but it was a big learning experiment. And, and I almost thought about giving up on it after, you know, the first six months or so, but I actually implemented some things I learned and adapted it, um, in a more conservative way. I was very outspoken back then. I really wanted to be heard. And then I tried it more reserved. Um, so I would only react to people um, in the way that they were treating me or others if they addressed me directly um, or if they attacked someone else directly in a way that was overpowering. Because I saw that that to be a, a social phenomenon where people were starting to oppress others' thoughts and opinions um, based on what they deem to be right or wrong. We see this as a very acceptable, very widespread, maybe not even acceptable, but it's very commonplace right now for people to do that. And a few years ago, it was less so. Um, so I would only do it reactionary. And so it became a reactionary thing. And it was a lot more effective. I, I learned that um, I could go up to a group of five people. Um, these are random numbers, but I would go up to a group of five people. And when I or somebody else there um, was, you know, being trampled on in the conversation, um, in a socially acceptable way, which was really, really interesting because, um, 
it, it turned out that when I would stand up um, for myself or other people in this way, it was it was a type of social bullying that um, if you stand up to it, you're usually in the wrong. So if if it's a guy standing up to a girl, it's usually you know don't talk to a girl like that, even though you're you're talking to her in the exact same way she's talking to you or someone else. Um, if it's, you know, somebody of a different race or age, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're targeting them. I, I mean, I understand that, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a bigger white male, so I, I, I can be threatening to a lot of people, um, in a physical way in a socioeconomic way, um, even in an eloquence way, just because I, am very familiar with words, uh, even when I'm not familiar with words, I can get my point across, even if I have to throw in a fake word or the wrong word. Um, that's something I've, I've been gifted with, but, um, it, it came in very, very handy here, but was, um, often, uh, as much of a benefit as it was a detriment. Um, and it would usually be uh, more of a tool to uh, describe to to others that, you know, even if I was in the wrong, that doesn't mean the other person was in the right. And what was really interesting is I would isolate four out of five people of that group. Of course, the person who was doing the the social dominance thing um, or, um, their friends and even a lot of the people that were just on the fence, the same mindset as those people, they might not even partake in it, but they don't see anything wrong with it. Um, or they're afraid to see something wrong with it. But what was really, really interesting is, is that there's always that one out of five persons there who's, um, on the fence one way or the other, it might stand up for me a little bit, then go quiet. In some way or another, this person always um, gravitates towards me. And what was really, really phenomenal was um, about a month to three months in, um, I was getting very, very lonely doing this uh, in the new scenario. I had been attempting this in uh, about within the first year. So it was six months doing this down south. And then uh, the next uh, three months after that first six months, I did it up north and still continued trying it down south. But um Remember, I had uh, um, north. I I had gone into it a, a, a lot more conservatively, so I wasn't as brash and as brazen, and I was more reserved on my opinions. But I stood up for them all the same when they were so. I would, I wouldn't project. I would um, defend. So it was, you know, I wouldn't perpetuate a situation. I would respond and stop. And if they continued, then I would respond and stop. And um, 
that was a lot easier for it to not get out of control. Um, it was a lot easier for people to gang up on me when, and I, I became more and more of the bad guy when I would perpetuate as much as them. But if I responded and stopped, um, what was really interesting is it would, it would stay as, as limited as the person was allowing it to. Sometimes there would be people who would gang up in that situation. Um, but, uh, those were more isolated. Um, probably uh, the most progress I made with this was because eventually um, I realized that I, I had isolated most of the people um, in that scenario. Um, most of my friend groups that they lasted, I don't know, about about three to six months. But by the end, I was down to one-off relationships with people. Um, but then I then I moved to another state, <clears throat> and I, I tried another evolution of this. And um, uh, I started uh, taking the ingredients that were most important to me, the fact that I didn't care whether or not people uh, liked me and really tried to do it to an extreme. This was still hard for me to internalize all the time. Uh, the closer people got to me, the more they realized that um, I, when I had somebody close to me, when I, uh, when I hadn't isolated somebody immediately and when I wanted them to like me, it was it was really hard for me to still um, not care if they didn't like me, and that, that sounds like a weird thing, but um, that desire turned into me trying to get them to like me. And it's like, okay, this person is already my friend. I don't need to prove to them anymore that they should like me. Um, but it was, you know, a deep-seated sort of uh, insecurity. Um, I think that's the right word, yeah, insecurity. Um, that took about another year for me to really let go of. But what was really interesting is I got really good at, in this scenario, um, saying what I was saying before in less words than ever. So I would pick out... Um, when somebody was doing that, dominating a situation, doing a, a, a social put down um, to exert social dominance in some way, um, the resistance would that I would give people wouldn't be standing up to them as much, defending as much, as much as it would be, you know, um, almost a deflection. Uh, so it wasn't returning uh, their personality to them as much as it was um, deflecting their intention, diffusing it with either humor or um, if they were trying to be serious in a situation, you would deflect it with uh, humor or something non-serious or if they were trying to be, you know, make little of something and provide 
dominance for themselves over others um, by something of a not serious nature, you get real serious in that moment and bring up, you know, the, the opposing principle as to what what they're trying to assert dominance over. And what was really interesting is uh, this had a lot more subtle effect. Um, I found that I, I didn't make as much enemies um, because... It was only the people that I was deflecting that were really bugged by me. Um, the people around them that support them didn't really see anything wrong with it. It was so subtle that um, they would even stand up for me. Like, you know, he, he's just, you know, you don't get along with him. It's okay. Um, so I, I made a lot less enemies that way. And it was really only the social bullies that really didn't like me. But they didn't have really any ammo to get any people on their side this way. Um, and what was interesting is, um, I, w I was learning more and more not to give a crap what, um, what other people thought of me. It, it was, it, it was really, really fake it until you make it at that point. Um, but I, I had practiced faking it that year, um, pretty heavily to the point where I knew that even though I hadn't genuinely had the paradigm shift in in um, in my heart that actually faking it, I realized this is something I want. This is something I need. I need this to be a genuine shift so I'm not actually faking um, being, uh, what is it, um, Oh, I'm at a loss for words right now. Uh, where people um, can judge me. Oh, yeah. So just not caring what people think about me. Yeah, that's what I lost words on. So um, where where I could do that at any level. So at there it was, you know, a very superficial level, very social setting, uh, being around a bunch of people or small groups, you know social environments that was easy for me to fake it but when it got into you know anything from romantic relationships to close friend relationships I it was very apparent that I was faking it at those levels because I, I I needed them to like me I still needed those people to like me that already liked me I had given up on needing people that I didn't care about um and that didn't care about me. And that's the reason I didn't care about them. It's like, if, if somebody's not going to take the effort to care about me, to understand me, um, after I give them the opportunity to, because I believe that we all start on the same level, we give people a certain amount of trust that we are, are able to freely give. And then after they lose it, um, it needs to be earned back. I, I think too often we give uh, trust back after after people, you know, socially earn it, or there, there's some sort of scorekeeping that isn't our own that people can earn back trust. And that's when we get hurt over and over again. So I, I just um, really 
um, realize that those people don't have gravity on me. And then on, you know, the, the really personal level with good friends, people who actually did care about me, um, I was worried that they would still hate me and push me away if I didn't try and be more than I was. So I would still put on face, I would still um, not be real. And it was very, very frustrating how I could be the realest version of myself around people in a superficial social setting, but not around the people who actually mattered. Um, And then it was about a year ago, that I actually realized that um, I didn't actually uh, like myself. I I didn't actually uh, like myself enough to want to hang out with myself. I was still basing a lot of value on um, uh, validation from having friends. And I had gone down from, you know, wanting everyone to like me to appreciating close and personal friends. But even when I had close and personal friends and they were starting to get more and more real than ever. And that was really the main benefit of not giving a crap what other people who are inconsequential inconsequential in our lives not giving a crap what they think about you, you realize that, you know, you're only getting one out of five people to really want to spend time with you, but there are people you can confide in. There are people you can trust in. There are people who you can rely on. And I, I realized more than ever that I could nurture those relationships and those friendships that would last for years. And this is something that's always been real important to me But those people would get, you know, lost in the craze of having, you know, dozens or more friends that I could hang out with. I would consider them friends, but now I consider those people acquaintances who I keep on a friendly basis. But if I can't tell them, um, you know, what's going on in my life, then I don't consider that person a friend. They're a close acquaintance at best, but I, I was still keeping people at a distance, um, when they got close enough because I simply did not like myself enough to want to hang out with myself. So I could not wrap my head around why these people would want to hang out with me. Um, That really got to the root of everything. Once I figured that out, once I started liking myself enough to wanting to hang out with myself, that I was okay, you know, um, sitting around watching TV again or playing a video game or um, just, you know, doing something on the computer. Like, I didn't have to be around someone. I didn't have to be doing something with other people around. I didn't have to um, be going somewhere with people. I didn't need to be invited somewhere. Um, I, I could just hang out by myself and be completely comfortable with myself. That took about six months of almost isolation. I had one local friend and um, 
about halfway through that six months, I got um, um, another local friend that I started talking to. And six months after that, um, we we hung out and we've been very, very close ever since then. Um, and in that process, I realized, you know, I... I had been going in reverse trying to figure out, you know, why people didn't like me, why I um, couldn't understand why people didn't like me, how to do all these things to get people to like me when it was really the root of it was I didn't like myself at all. Um, Now what's really, really interesting is I like myself a lot. I, I like myself enough to um, not care what somebody online says, not care what somebody um, that I care about their opinion says, not care about what, you know, uh, somebody who doesn't know me says. It, it, it really doesn't bother me anymore. I, I care a lot less about sharing stuff about my life online. I care... A, a lot less about sharing my life uh, with as many people as I can. I I also um, found that um, you know I I kind of oddly enough really like being abrasive, um, but but not for the reason of you know that I, I used to, I used to like it just because it would make other people upset and I was upset, but I like being abrasive in a way where, um, if somebody is giving resistance, um, well, there's no reason they shouldn't get resistance back. Um, I, I don't think that it needs to come from a negative, a dark or an angry place, but, um, it's become all too commonplace that people, um, give resistance and then it's returned with more negative resistance, but a positive resistance can be a good thing. Um, I, I usually come from thing, come at resistance either in a positive way or in a neutral way. And what's really, really interesting is if you don't give resistance, you end up giving up some of your ground. And then you feel attacked. But if you give resistance, you set up boundaries. Um, and that way, you know, you, you don't get trampled on. Um, people who um, test other people's boundaries by being automatically resistant on opposing ideas, beliefs, or thoughts um, often don't know when to stop. And they will tend to trample over other people. They will end up avoiding you nine times out of ten if you set up positive or neutral resistance right from the get-go. If you don't give them any ground, nine times out of ten, they'll avoid you completely. Um, I find that when it's online, people often block you just really, really quickly online. Um, this, this tended to hurt a lot more a couple of years ago. Um mostly because I, I I was a lot less practiced at it. So 
Uh, and also, um, it was a lot of people close to me who were doing it. Um, so I, di- I didn't really have my own boundaries understood. So how could I understand when I was crossing over my boundaries into somebody else's boundaries? So giving resistance appropriately really only works if you know where your boundaries are and you can respect and understand when you are going into somebody else's boundaries. Um, I, I love debating. I love arguing. Uh, that's just part of my personality type. Call it ENTP, call it, you know, a, aggressive personality type, call it conflict oriented personality. Who, who knows? The, the fact of the matter is it's very beneficial in certain parts of my life, but socially it's become kind of a whatever thing for me. You know, some people really appreciate it. Some people don't. When I say some people, I mean, most people really don't appreciate it. But I found in this day and age where we're connected to thousands of people in our inner circle, it's okay to have most people not appreciate you. Um, not if you ask most people, though. It's it's really, really bad if most people don't like you. But really, it's, you know, I, I think we need a handful of people as a support system. Only a few people, very few people, like less than you can count on your hand, need to be local. Um, and I really think that we are sacrificing genuine relationships for this superficial, do they like me, um, do I like me, um, and basing one of those on the other, and really it comes down to, do you like you, and that's it, so I mean, when it, when it comes to me, it's like, you know, I, I kind of like being abrasive online, and in person, um, I'm abrasive, but it's it's less so than it is online. Online, it's it's very augment uh, augmented. I, I'm very 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 abrasive online. I'm pretty much a jerk online, um, but that's because I I'm kind of running a social experiment on that forefront where it's you know everyone seems to be kind of fake online. They will be um, over friendly. They will be over endearing they will be um, the best possible version of their imaginary self of how they could imagine themselves being and if they don't ever meet up to that they will delete that presence they will curate that presence they will um, only have the best of the best on them so I'm like well I'm gonna try the opposite of that so now the social experiment I'm running online is I'm going to be the worst of the worst of me online and see where things go from there. So the worst of the worst doesn't mean I go out looking for trouble anymore. I, I've stopped trolling on the internet as much. I really save my trolling for about uh, less than like three people that know that I troll and I keep it isolated there. And I've even cut back on one of them um, recently just because it's uh, a never-ending uh, trail of replies to respond to, and it just it becomes a distraction. But um, 
I find it interesting that people will be the best versions of themselves and then not in real life. So when people end up meeting them, um, they like having superficial relationships because the more people get to know them, the more they realize they aren't like they are online. Whereas for me, I'm trying this reverse thing where I am one way online and then um, people are pleasantly surprised when they meet me in person. Um, What's really interesting is um, people are, I think within the past two years, they're starting to realize that um, there is a lot of fakeness online. So um, it's less of a surprise now for people when they're like, oh, you're actually much different in person and pleasantly surprised it's it's almost refreshing to them to see you know i i agreed with you or like you know i i saw your point on this but i wasn't expecting you to be a good person it's like you know that's that's interesting that people um that are so overwhelmed with people being you know, oh, send vibes, prayers, whatever for this, but you, you don't even have that person's phone number. They don't have yours. So, um, if, if you actually needed help, there's, they, they'd never be ready to ask. They'd never be ready to offer. Um, it's, it's all very superficial. Um, so it's, it's interestingly refreshing for people to see somebody be the opposite of that. And what's interesting is people are oddly attracted to that in a way that, um, I was not foreseeing, like in the very beginning, uh, people would delete me in droves on Facebook. I would, I would lose about, um, five to 15 friends a month. And I saw it go down to, from like, you know, 650 friends to like 500 friends within a year. And then what's interesting is um, now I <clears throat> I notice that I'll lose um, about five friends a month, but uh, I <laughs> I still oddly enough gain five friends a month on average. So it's it's interesting how people if you're authentic, you're not just a jerk to troll people, you're not just a jerk because you're angry or bitter, but you're authentic in it. It's like, you know, I've learned how to set up boundaries and often not cross into those boundaries of other people. Um, That's becoming more and more apparent online. Uh, It's probably the hardest place to do it because if you do it in the wrong scenario, um, you're not dealing with like a few people like that group of five people were four of them and a few of them might gang up on me. I'm talking about, you know, on a thread where dozens of people could gang up on you. And what's interesting is, um, they can go back and look at what you said. And often it becomes tedious and, um, people are a lot less, restricted online. So they will say stuff that they would often never say to 
another person in real life. So if if anybody jumps in that knows you relatively well, the chance of them saying something that isn't relative to what you're talking about, the resistance that you're putting up, but could come back as um, too much info, to put it nicely, is is very, very risky online. So um, that's one of the dangers that I've run into. But what I found is over the past few years, uh, those people <laughs> have long delete- since deleted me. Um, and now my Facebook is primarily people who aren't active on Facebook. And then the, the other half are people who get me. And that's really, really interesting. I, I've, I've never, you know, gone through and purged my friends. But what's interesting is... the more genuine I've become and not just genuine in my good side, but genuine in my side that, um, is, is real. And it's, you know, it stands up for myself. It stands up for others. It stands up for, uh, what I think is right, which, you know, other people don't always think is right. Um, that is what, churns um, the people who don't really like you for you and the thing is is if people won't respect your opposing beliefs they they don't really respect you so I, I found it really interesting that this social experiment I started up several years ago has become such a lifestyle that I now um have recently read a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Expletive F-Word, um, and it, it's actually written like that on the title of the book, where they don't actually write out the F-Word, it's, they use the expletive characters. Um, it's, it's such a good book. Um, I, I'm blanking on the author right now, but um, look it up. It's, it's a bestseller. It's, it's really good. It talks about the anxieties that go into this thought process. I read it a couple of months ago and I'm like, man, if I had read this book, you know, four or five years ago, I, I wouldn't have spent years of doing this social experiment. I could have, I could have solved this problem in a couple of months. Um, except for the Facebook side, you know, that curation took, took a lot of time. So, that that part couldn't have been done. There's also a lot of self um, self discovery that happened over that time that you know still still would have had to happen. But um, I would have had pretty much the answer sheet since the beginning. I would have had a lot less beta testing and testing in different scenarios. It wouldn't have taken as long. And if I had just read that book in the beginning, uh, I don't even know if it was out back then, but the fact of the matter is, is, um, I think there's something to not caring more in a world where it's important to care so much that you don't care about yourself anymore. Um, I, I think that's a dangerous society when 
you need to care about other people more than you care about yourself. If if you can't care about yourself as much as you care about other people, um, how do you know anyone is ever looking out for you uh, if you don't know how to look out for yourself? I think I'm going to leave it on that note. Um, this went way over what I was expecting. Um, but if you listened, thank you. Um, All right.